Welcome back to Cartels, Conspiracies, and Camarena. I'm Jack Llewellyn. Thanks for joining me today. All right, today we're going to talk about fentanyl. And the origins of this come back maybe, I don't know, a week, two weeks ago. And I was in my car listening to the news, and they were talking about the fentanyl crisis in, in the U.S. And I, I kind of said to myself, I said, Jack, what is fentanyl? And I said, well, it's a synthetic opioid. And then I said, well, what does that really mean? And I didn't know. <laughs> so I spent some time looking at fentanyl and more importantly, kind of the origins of fentanyl, the distribution of fentanyl, primarily involving China and Mexico and Mexican cartels. Coincidentally, there was a congressional hearing this week on fentanyl. So today we're going to talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about what fentanyl is. We'll talk about the influence of China on the production and distribution of fentanyl. And there's some some aspects to this that I really wasn't aware of and, and think are very interesting and hope that um, that you find it interesting, but also hope that somebody can can let me know if, in fact, what I'm reading and what I'm going to tell you is correct. And then we'll also talk about the Mexican cartels and the trade uh, and the distribution trafficking of fentanyl from Mexico into the United States. First, though, fentanyl, what is it? It is a potent synthetic opioid. Right? It's approved by the FDA as an analgesic and an anesthetic. What makes it important both for medical use and for illicit drug production is that it's said to be about 100 times more more potent than morphine and 50 times more potent than heroin as an analgesic, right? It's um, a Schedule II narcotics under the Controlled Substances Act. It uh, produces effects such as relaxation, euphoria, pain relief, sedation, but it also can produce confusion, drowsiness, dizziness, nausea and vomiting, urinary retention, pupillary constriction, and I love this one, respiratory depression. I'm not really sure what respiratory depression is, but I'm pretty sure it's bad. Um, basically, fentanyl is made of chemicals. Right there's a four-step process um, that takes certain precursors and um, performs a reaction, and you end up with fentanyl. But we won't go into all of those details. But it is while it's synthetic, it is synthesized from opium poppies, and that's why all opioids have similar effects and characteristics. So fentanyl was first developed in 1959, introduced in the United States in the 1960s as an intravenous anesthetic. It's legally manufactured and distributed in the United States, as is the case with lots of narcotics. You know, they started off having medical uses. Uh, there are a number of fentanyl pharmaceutical products on the market. Um, there are lozenges, commonly referred to as fentanyl 
or fentanyl lollipops. There are effervescent tablets. There are sublingual tablets. There are sprays. There are nasal sprays. And then there are transdermal patches. We'll talk about those in just a second. And there are also injectable formulations. So again, there is a huge or at least a significant medical use market for fentanyl. But it also has illegal uses, right? It can be injected. It can be snorted and sniffed. It can be smoked, taken orally by pill or tablet, and then it can be spiked onto blotter paper. Uh, Street names apparently include China Girl, Chinatown, China White, Dance Fever, Goodfellas, Great Bear, He-Man, Poison, and Tango and Cash. It um, can be sold alone or in combination with heroin and other substances. It's also been identified in fake pills, pills that mimic real pharmaceutical drugs, including oxycodone. One of um, the things that can be done is you can take the fentanyl patches that I mentioned earlier, you can remove their gel contents and then inject or ingest the contents. Patches have also been frozen, cut into pieces, and then placed under the tongue or in the cheek area. Um, You know, again, the way that the creativity of drug dealers and drug traffickers is is truly incredible. Uh, again, it can also be uh, used illegally in a powder form. The biggest issue with respect to fentanyl appears to be the fact that it often is mixed with other drugs, and that's what makes it so dangerous. So somebody will be using heroin or cocaine or methamphetamine or oxycodone or hydrocodone, and it will be laced with fentanyl. That is what causes the vast majority of the overdoses. Because it is so potent, if you're not aware that you're using it, the ability to overdose is great. So again, It's when it's manufactured and then blended with others that it really becomes this, you know, a death drug. Uh, Again, apparently overdoses result in stupor, changes in pupillary size, cold and clammy skin, coma, respiratory failure, uh, and then, of course, death. Uh, How is it made? I'm not going to go into a whole bunch of detail, but basically it's just, it's a pharmaceutical process, but it's not an overly difficult one. That's the interesting thing about it. Um, And, you know, again, the danger from it is that a small amount, a tiny amount can oftentimes be fatal. The statistics, everybody's heard the statistics in one form or another, It's really incredible. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, there were about 108,000 drug overdoses in um, drug overdose deaths in 2021, and two-thirds of those were caused by fentanyl. There's also a report that um, 
fentanyl deaths went from about 5,000 in 2014 to over 118,000 in 2020. Again, these numbers aren't always going to match up because it's going to depend on you know where they're getting their statistics from. But the vast number in and of itself, and then the incredible rise between, as these ones said, between 2014 and 2020 is amazing. All right. Most of the precursor chemicals required for the production of fentanyl today come from China. Period. End of sentence. I've seen anywhere from 75 to 95%, right? Vast majority. Why do they come from China? Well, part of the big problem is that China has a very fragmented administrative system. They're well known for having a a vast bureaucracy that's oftentimes clumsy, oftentimes understaffed. And so they just really have a difficult time controlling the country's chemical industry. Um, The other thing that I wasn't really as aware of is the fact that Chinese organized crime is very instrumental to the drug trade. And I read a report um, that quoted DEA New York City Division Special Agent in Charge Raymond Donovan is saying that Chinese organized crime is instrumental to the entire drug trade on the front end and the back end and in the middle. Now, in 2019, China did schedule as an illegal narcotic fentanyl and its analogs. Okay, 2019. And as a result, since that time, the amount of fentanyl and fentanyl analogs coming directly from China into the United States decreased dramatically. And just as a note, prior to this time, most of the fentanyl and fentanyl precursors coming from China into the United States was done by mail. FedEx... UPS, Postal Service, whatever. That's how most of it came. So that decreased dramatically. Fentanyl and and these initial fentanyl analogs. But, but, again, these guys are smart. um, The Chinese manufacturers started to realize that there were other precursors that could be used to make fentanyl that were not the fentanyl analogs that were scheduled by either by China or even in the United States, right? Um, so there's been at least at least four new precursors. Um, and the problem with them is that a lot of the, these new precursors have legitimate uses. So that makes it really hard to detect and to stop. And the internet has become a big deal. Um, and, and frankly, these drugs and these precursors can be sold um, openly. They are you know, exported um, without much regulation. The other thing that's important 
to note, and and I again I was completely unaware of this, is that while the drugs get made, you know, finally made into fentanyl in Mexico, it's the transnational Chinese groups that launder the money and allow the operation to flow successfully. And and a quote from a State Department's uh, release says, Chinese money laundering organizations that exploit PRC institutions dominate money laundering globally, providing this service to cartels that manufacture fentanyl in Mexico using PRC origin chemicals. These um, organizations from... China are also tied to drug markets, including methamphetamines in Australia, cocaine in Europe. Um, and again, this is something I find really interesting. What they've said is that these groups have been able to really blend in quietly with the criminal culture in Mexico. And the, the DEA special agent that I mentioned earlier said they're very skilled they're very compartmentalized, they're very covert, and they're not going to draw attention like the cartels do with violence and kidnappings and all the other horrendous things they do. They're really operating with impunity and are no longer foreign entities in Mexico. Their kids are born in Mexico. The generation now, they're Chinese organized crime in Mexico that are part of the Mexican culture. In 2020, Fox News did um, an investigation on what's called the Zheng DTO, also known as Los Zheng Cartel, operates through a number of shell companies that offer legitimate services, chemical labs, veterinary care, computers, retail, um, and they are described as having the largest presence in Mexico for trafficking fentanyl and methamphetamines. They've developed uh, extensive relationships with suppliers in China, can easily import goods from China into Mexico, and have cultivated relationships on both sides of the U.S.-Mexican border. They're also said to work with both CDS and CJNG. Effectively, this Zheng cartel is an intermediary between suppliers in China and cartels in Mexico. Um, they've also been indicted in uh, several jurisdictions in the United States on both trafficking and um, uh, money laundering charges. And one of one in particular, um, which was a 2018 arrest of two Zheng cartel leaders, uh, is said to have um, had money laundering operations of about $65 million annually. Um, the way in which they do these uh, the money laundering um, is something that we're not going to delve into, but apparently it is very complex, very sophisticated, uses foreign banks, um, also uses encrypted mobile devices and also has taken advantage of 
um, virtual currencies and cryptocurrencies, which are much, much harder to trace and, and those sorts of things. So um, we should note that China is not the only manufacturer of precursors. India has become more important and a more prominent source for some of these uh, fentanyl precursors, as has the, uh, the Golden Triangle in Southeast Asia. So not just China, but China is by far the biggest. All right. How do the cartels deal with this? really pretty simple and I uh, it's as simple as you would think it would be the uh, the chemical ingredients are imported from China they are taken into um, kind of pop-up labs in Mexico where they are manufactured and into fentanyl a lot of times they are stamped into pills that resemble prescription drugs uh, like Adderall or Xanax. And one um, estimate from the DEA says two out of five of these fake pills contain potentially lethal doses of fentanyl. CJNG and CDS have um, foot soldiers in every U.S. state, according to the DEA. Um. A um, a spokesperson for or a, a, an official from the DEA said uh, to a subcommittee of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, these ruthless, violent criminal organizations have associates, facilitators, and brokers in all 50 states, as well as in more than 40 countries around the world. Um. Even after the Chinese government started regulating fentanyl and all the variations of fentanyl, what do Mexican cartels do? They start sending out for for the other precursors. Now, Mexican cartels are also skilled, and they're finding that they can um, develop their own precursors and are able to make fentanyl without the precursors that they were getting from China, or at least without all of them. So what does the DEA say? Uh, Again, in this congressional hearing last week, DEA officials said the DEA in Mexico is laser-focused on the cartels and the fentanyl and methamphetamines they are producing. But he repeated that Mexican authorities need to do more when it comes to collaboration. Uh, apparently, social media, again, is is the way that so much of this is trafficked. There was a call. He says um, social media companies need to monitor their platforms for drug deals and preserve posts that law enforcement might need to track and prosecute dealers. It's very clear that social media has become a superhighway for drugs. Um. In fact, he said that they are advertising, actually completing sales and effectuating payment using these types of applications. He also said that the DEA's top operational priority is to defeat the two cartels, CDS and CJNG, that are primarily responsible 
for the fentanyl that is killing Americans. Um, that's from DEA Administrator Ann Milgram. Uh, again, we had this um, hearing, uh, or series of hearings in, in Congress, uh, and <laughs> I was going to read some of what it says, um, it, but I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, so so much of it ends up being politician speak. But one of the things that that comes out again is the DEA spokesperson or um, administrator saying these two specific cartels, referring to CJNG and Sinaloa, are operating virtually with impunity. We need the Mexican government to lean in and do a lot more, um, you know, which raises questions about the actions that have happened in Mexico in the last few weeks. You know, the the raid uh, that that captured Ovidio Guzman, uh, Tony Montana before that, uh, Rafael Caracantero before that. Uh, you know, is there a connection? Uh, to what extent has the pressure been on? Um, you'll remember uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw, who's from Texas. He's um, he's brought this up before, but he read out the names of El, uh, um, El Mayo and El Mencho, saying um, everyone should know who these two guys are because they're ki- killing tens of thousands of Americans. We all know who Osama bin Laden is. We started a war just to go after him. We should start a war against these cartels because they're at war with us. We've talked about that in the past. You know, what it, what really is going to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm dubious at best that military intervention is a long-term solution to the cartels in Mexico. Uh, you know, even if we went in and took out CJNG tomorrow, you know, American military cooperating with Mexican military, I just think that you're still going to have a void, right? You still have a demand, and as long as drugs can be sold, somebody else is going to start manufacturing them. If we bring in the military and we get rid of CJNG in Mexico. Does that mean they don't go to Costa Rica and start working there? They go to Guatemala. They go someplace, right? I'm just not sure that it's a long-term solution, um, but it's something that sounds good, right? So now here's something interesting. When you when you look through this stuff, you find some interesting things. But a team from the University of Houston has developed what they say is a fentanyl vaccine that can block the synthetic opioid from entering the brain. Um, so this comes from Dr. Colin Hale, a professor of psychology at the University of Houston and the Texas Institute for Management, Evaluation, and Statistics. It's a completely different strategy of treating an individual with an opioid use disorder and... Um, it essentially produces antibodies, much like other vaccines, and blocks the fentanyl from entering the brain. Kind of interesting, right? So proteins that are used to keep the drug um, in the bloodstream 
and, and and so when it stays in the bloodstream, then it's just flushed out through the kidneys, never goes into um, the brain. Very similar, um, the doctor said, to a hepatitis B vaccine. Kind of interesting. So that is a semi-short view on fentanyl, China, and Mexico. Uh, hope it shed a little bit of light on on things. I'm really interested in, and if any of you are aware of this, I'd really love to know the degree to which Chinese organizations have in fact become kind of commonplace in Mexico, the degree to which, as it says, they've, they've integrated into Mexico, Mexico culture, and, and where in particular uh, they are, if anybody knows or has more specific information. All right. Next week, a couple of things. Number one, Tuesday, February 7th, is the unfortunate anniversary of the kidnapping of DEA agent uh, Kiki Camarena, February 7, 1985. Please keep him in mind. Um, keep in mind his family and his friends. Uh, you know, a lot of people are very active in making sure that his memory stays alive and that the things he worked for uh, stay alive through a foundation, Red Ribbon Week, etc. And if you want more information on any of that, please let me know. It's a very good cause. Um, and, and while it's a somber occasion, a somber remembrance, there's a lot of good things being done in his name as we go forward. So that's the first thing. Uh, check out my YouTube. Got some really cool things on there. A um, couple things coming up. I think you're going to have today or tomorrow, there'll be a video of that I took at Lope de Vega. So check that out if you want. And also check out my website and uh, my book, Someone Had to Die. Keep updating the website with new documents relating to the Camarena case. And with that, I will let you go. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for your support. And I will talk to you next week on Conspiracies, Cartels, and Camarena. Thank you.